Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Yo, what's happening, Rush Nation? Different day this week. This is Thursday, maybe Friday by the time you're hearing this. Uh, we've changed it up a little bit. We've moved the schedule around because we just like to keep people on their toes. But you know what? It's worth it. This one is definitely worth the wait uh, in terms of the delay. And I'm really pleased to bring on this week uh, my fantasy doppelganger, as I called him after last year's show. Uh, I had such a blast with him last year. Glad to have him back. Co-owner of FantasyPoints.com, formerly of the NFL Fantasy Life podcast. Graham Barfield, welcome back. How are you doing, my man? Doing pretty good, man. It's good to, good to talk to you. And especially now, I mean, we got like, you know, training camps rolling around. It's uh it's always a fun time. And, you know, I don't know about you, but like, I really miss the normal, the, like the normalcy of the off season. So getting training camp back to normal, getting preseason games on our, on our televisions, it's going to be uh, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a good month here. I know. I, I feel like over here in the UK, it's been slightly more bearable this year because we had, <laughs> we had the Euros, which yep. of course that engrossed everybody for like a month and we got to the final, which was close, but that yeah, kind of close. Yeah, really close. And so that kind of held our attention for a while. And then the Olympics has come along and we've done reasonably well for the UK. Mm-hmm. Not like the best we've ever done, but we're probably going to be close to where our record tally is. So, you know, it, that's correct us. And then before you know, it, it's like, oh, training camps happened. That's like all the summer yeah. has kind of gone away. So um, a bit more bearable this year than most years where you're just yeah. sitting around twiddling your thumbs in Twitter absolutely. every two seconds. So, yeah, absolutely. But I'm like you and, and football starts tonight, man. You know, this know. is it. This is it. We're officially like there. Hall of Fame game tonight and uh we now have live football every single week until february i know it's time to get locked in uh by the way 
is Raheem Sterling going to get knighted for his performance in the Euros? Because he was <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> That's a good question. So he just got um, an MBE like a few months ago, which is like the start of that process yeah. um, for services towards uh, social equality. Oh, um, really? Because okay. yeah, yeah, he's like that. he's heavy on the um, on the equal uh, equal rights, equal yeah. opportunities, and uh, standing up against racism. He's like at the forefront of that discussion. So like when the kneeling, because so we still do in, in Premier League games, we still have players. And I think they made an announcement this week that they're going to take the knee. All 20 clubs are going to take the knee for every game oh, okay. next season to continue the, yeah. this, uh, the awareness of social inequality. Um, and he's kind of at the forefront of that. So, but I think at some point he will probably get some more recognition <laughs> for it. He had a, an unbelievable tournament and uh yeah he's uh, i think what's nice about it is not only do you have a great tournament he's just a great guy like yeah, he's just like he's really yeah. come across well and you know he represents himself you got we've got a few people in that team marcus rashford um who missed a, a penalty in the final he um actually led a campaign to the, this the government started to restrict free school meals for um oh, okay. poorer families and he campaigned against that and got them to u-turn so we've actually got players yeah. in that squad who are now rising up against these things and taking, they're making significant change. Yeah. Using, the, yeah, using their influence for the good. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. But man, Sterling great. was, yeah, Sterling was freaking unbelievable. And you're right. Like he gives, he gives off such good vibes, just like watching him play and seeing him interact with teammates and stuff. So yeah. He's a fantastic football player. I've, I've enjoyed watching him for years. I've always wished he'd come and sign for, for Arsenal, but uh, maybe one day. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. I, I doubt it, but um, yeah, he's an unbelievable player, and yeah, hopefully one day he'll get he'll get some further recognition. Maybe when we win the World Cup in 2022. And there uh, you go, you'll finally break that championship drought. It's coming. <laughs> We're getting That's... better every year. Yeah, yep. fourth it. place, third place, second place. That's now it. it's now it's uh, top of the rostrum next year. But absolutely. Um, but I know people don't want to listen to our soccer takes because I think that might drive people crazy. So let's talk about what's been going on. You be, you came on about a year ago. What's uh, what's new for for Graham Barfield? What have you been doing? I mean, I know we were just talking off air. You've moved, mm-hmm. um, but what else is, has been going on? Other than the fact you've got a, a great house from from the view I've got. <laughs> yeah, I can take like no credit for our place. My wife is like a genius when it comes to like interior design. I'm like completely blown away with the way her brain works sometimes but yeah i can take no no credit for that we actually moved to denver uh from los angeles in february so that was a huge move and a huge process uh it you know with any move it always takes a lot of time but this one for whatever reason took you know six seven weeks felt like to get kind of get comfortable again but yeah uh since we last talked you know moved um last season was it was sketchy i think when we talked um last summer and then you know we got a full season and felt super fortunate, super lucky to get through it with basically like no hiccups. So yeah, you know, just getting through last, last season moving and uh, getting adjusted out here. Um, it's, that's kind of, kind of what's been new for me. I know you're, uh, you're going through the gambit right now with your housing situation. So uh, <laughs> I know the last couple of months have been brutal for you. <laughs> yeah, it has been pretty brutal. Um, and unfortunately, no closer to a resolution. So if I get yeah. to move, if I get to move this side of October, I'll be delighted. I'm not so sure that's going to happen. But yeah. yeah, it's been it's been stressful. But on the flip side, like a, like I said, there's been plenty of distractions going on with with sport with 
everything going on and now training camp and, and everything going on. And it's just right. good to have football back as I, I don't know about you. I, I really miss, I really miss just watching the game. Like, cause it's such a long time. It's, mm-hmm. it's like seven months without watching it. it. And you can go and watch highlights and last season. And, and, you know, as a Buccaneers fan, there's hundreds I can go and watch from last season, but it's not the same. And I, I think, you know, I, I get more engrossed in preseason than most people, not the hype, but just the actual watching your games. Cause I'm just excited to actually be able to watch something and, uh, and fill my boots. So, yeah, I think I feel it's- the, I'm the same way, dude. Like I, you know, I, I really missed preseason last year, you know, just not only yeah. like, kind of getting the build up to the season, but also, I mean, there's a lot to learn from preseason. If you, if you're watching it the right way, um, mm. if you're watching it the right way and seeing how coaches and teams are using their players, we can learn a lot for fantasy in terms of preseason. So yeah, I'm just, I'm so happy we've got a normal three game slate here and or three, you know, three weeks slate for preseason and camp down, you know, camp cut downs, all of it. So I'm, I'm pumped. That's it. I'm a, I'm a little gutted that it is three games. I, I wasn't a big fan. I understand why they've shortened preseason to fit the extra game in. but I think they're eventually going to get down to two. That's probably I, what they'll get down to. I just think that's such a shame. Because I, yeah. I, I think if... I understand why they want to play less preseason games. And I appreciate the attendance and the money and everything. But mm-hmm. you, you just think there's well, a little over 1,100 jobs going in the NFL. And you're basically giving for the bottom 25% of those jobs virtually no time to win them. Yeah. And you think of all the players in the history of the NFL who have used that third, fourth preseason game to get a job and then gone on to have an amazing career. Um, especially, I, I think, running back, I think Austin Eckler off the top of the bat. I think Philip Lindsay. Yeah. He's a recent one. James Robinson. These are all guys yeah. that needed – well, actually, James Robinson not so much because it wasn't preseason. But there's all these these sort of guys that just come out at the last minute and put one big week in and mm-hmm. they get on the roster and then that's it. That gives them the confidence. And I do worry that we're going to have talent who – perhaps don't get that chance in the NFL to live their dream because they mess up in a four week, five week window in the, in the camp space. And it would be okay if there was a feeder league, if there was like a secondary league that people could go and develop and and show their skills and maybe the XFL, what do we call it? The XFL 3.0 now? Yeah, I, I, now it's going to be the 3.0. I think, <laughs> didn't, the, didn't The Rock buy it? I think, he, yeah, I think he did. I think The Rock with a consortium. Um, <laughs> I still have my Orlando Rage jersey from the first iteration of the X. Oh man! So I I went to a Rage game when I was a kid. I lived really? up in Jacksonville. Yeah, I went to a Rage <laughs> game when I was a kid. That's great. Yeah, I went. Yeah. It was brilliant. I went. Um, I went a couple of times. Um, yeah. As a as a high schooler. Uh, yeah. What have it been? Sixteen, maybe. 15, 16, something like that. I loved it. I thought the XFL yeah. was so much fun. I hope they get it back to that. But well, they got they got screwed last last year because of the pandemic. But yeah, to your point, I mean, they're expanding practice squads, which is good. Next year, they're going to expand it from I think it's twelve to fourteen, um, and I think they're going to continue to probably do that if they cut preseason back. So at least guys will like be carried on teams, you know, even though they're not on the active roster. But yeah, I think that's another thing we're heading towards, dude. Is I think we're heading towards some sort of like you know, second tier league, like, you know, farm system in the MLB or, you know, um, anything like that. So I think, I think that's probably what they're going to end up trying to do in the next 
not short term, but the next like three to five years, there'll be some sort of, you know, minor league farm yeah. league system. Oh, I'd love the World League to come back. That for me would be the absolute yeah. dream. Because if you think of the players that came through the World League, Kurt Warner, Brad Johnson, you know, there were some great players that yeah. came through the World League. And it's the way that the NFL can satisfy the international markets a little bit. And I know it's not the same, but I think I think now the World League is in a much better place to succeed than it would have been back in the 80s and, Absolutely. and early 90s. But, yeah. ah, man, I think that would be a phenomenal... If they could bring back the World League, that would be, for me, that would be the best way because you've got your feeder league, it would be competitive and people will take it very seriously. And I think people enjoy it. But we digress. Let's talk about training camp because we've, we've been at training camp now a little over a week, week and a half. And... You know, we've we've seen some unfortunate things, Cam Akers getting injured and uh, we've seen a few injuries, but we've also seen some some movers and shakers as well, people trying to earn starting spots, etc. So who for you is is looking good and getting a, an arrow up for for fantasy this year that based on what they're doing in, in the preseason and or in training camp so far? Yeah, I think it has to be Elijah Moore, like as the top guy. Um, this dates back even to OTAs, but like, you know, I'm always super skeptical of coach speak and just, you know, beat writers giving just random effusive praise. But I mean, this, this has been two, three, four months now of Elijah Moore, um, getting just lambasted with praise basically every single day and just getting covered in praise. Um, you know, beat writer from beat writers, from, you know, people, you know, at camp, uh, saying he's uncoverable. I think Elijah Moore is, you know, Right now, I mean, he's he's like trending. <laughs> I mean, I know he's like a late round pick, but I mean, he's got his arrow ticking straight up right now. Yeah, I, I completely agree. You, every day there seems to be a new Elijah Moore clip, Elijah Moore mm-hmm. video. And I'm with you. I, I don't like all the coach speak and I kind of put it one side. But when there's so much of it, you think, hmm. Yep. There's probably some there's some smoke to that fire. There, <laughs> there is yeah. smoke to that fire. And I, I completely agree. I've got so on our writing staff and, and one of our college podcast guys they're uh, Jets fans and they literally been talking about him so much about you know <laughs> fact he's lining outside and the work he's doing so I yeah, uh, yeah I completely agree I think he's a, a massive um, a massive arrow up I think for me the one I'm really uh, intrigued about is this battle in in Carolina and the one I'm really excited about at the moment I wouldn't say excited to the sense of like he's going to go off and have an amazing year, but I think he's going to do better than projected is, is Terrence Marshall Jr. in, in Carolina. I think with that, you know, with the Curtis Samuels gone, I was already, and I'm already well high on Robbie Anderson. I think Robbie Anderson is a steal and I'm probably walking away from him now. And I'm probably getting him in about 87% of my drafts currently. Wow. Damn. Because <laughs> it's just, in. well, yeah. it's just at the price, in like the eighth, ninth round. It's just, yeah. it's just too easy to grab at that price. There's yeah. no one in that tier that I think is going to be anywhere near. And I just think, yeah. well, if it doesn't work out, I'm not really that fussed, but I'm convinced it will work because his, his, his role's going to go up and everything's going to work out for it. I'm so sure, and I've talked about it many times, so I'm not going to bore people who listen to this, but I'm so sure on Robbie Anderson. But I think Terrence Marshall Jr. as well. I just think it's that late round, last round pick. I, I, I see what he's doing in camp. I think he's looked really impressive and I'm not really worried about... Um, David Moore there and I think he's yeah. gonna he's gonna do well in the slot I think it's I mean it speaks to Marshall I mean he had I mean just so many injuries coming out of college I was a little concerned that they were gonna like start him out slow to kind of just get him ramped up but I mean they've thrown him into the fire it seems like and he's 
yeah, I think he's already carved out a week one role for sure. Um, by the way, Robbie Anderson had like the quietest 95 catch season of all time last year, right? Like that was, it's the quietest 95 catches ever. <laughs> well, that's because he had scored any touchdowns. Like True. he scored, yeah. what did he score? Like two, three? I think it's yeah, three. Yeah, he scored three. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's, that's what I mean. And like people are looking at that thinking like, oh, well, I'm not sure about Robbie Anderson. You're thinking when well, he got mm-hmm. 95 catches of 130 odd targets and he, that's not going down. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> there's no competition on the outside. There's no one that's going to compete yeah. with him for touches outside. So that role is locked in. Um, the yeah, only and you already have I the, bu- yeah, yeah, you have the built-in chemistry with Darnold too. Exactly so. that. <laughs> I just think I, uh, I could easily pencil him in for like a 90 catch floor at no, no problem at all. And I yeah. expect it to go up, but yeah, that's what I mean. I just think for, for his price, he's just too much value, but I, I'm sneakily like, quite in on this Carolina offense. I just think there's a lot of it I, I wouldn't mind walking away from um, drafts with. I think DJ Moore is a good price. I think Robbie Anderson's a great price. I think Darnold for free, basically, I think is worth, if you can't get those those rookie quarterbacks with the upside, yeah. I don't hate taking Darnold as a flyer, especially in a super flex. Yeah, in Superflex, I'm with you. Um, or as like a like a back end, like QB2 or QB3 in basketball if you need it. But yeah, yeah, like in one QB leagues, like if I don't get one of like the top 10 guys, um, I'm kind of just punting. Like I'll oh, just yeah. take, you know, I'll, I'll take one of the rookies or just completely punt and just see if I can, you know, strike gold with like Taysom Hill or something. <laughs> well, you might do after the video of Jameis yesterday. Oh my goodness. Poor Jameis. <laughs> We were joking. We were joking about that in Slack. All of us guys. I'm like, James needs to do like more pseudo workouts in his backyard so he can build up that strength, so he can go through that drill. <laughs> no, well, I'm I I am still quite a big James Winston fan. I I still yeah. maintain he's a good level NFL quarterback. I still maintain that if Tom Brady had not come back to Tampa and he'd met, if he'd held on to that job, he would have taken the Buccaneers to the playoffs. I, there's no doubt in my mind that would have happened. I don't think he wins the Lombardi, but I do think he had enough to, to get yeah. the Bucks over the line to the playoffs. But you just watch the videos all off season. You think you really don't help yourself, dude. Like you really don't. Like, <laughs> I know. He does himself these- no favors. <laughs> <laughs> he does himself no favors. Whoever his PR guy is just needs to, they just, he, he needs to fire him. Yeah. Right. I don't think he has one. I think well, he's he, he needs to get one. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. There you go. Yeah. He needs to hire get a PR yeah. guy. James, whatever you're doing with your social media strategy, just stop. Go hire Tom Brady's guy. Because Tom Brady's yeah. guy's killing it this offseason. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think uh, I, I said this when Michael Thomas went down. And tell me if tell me what you think about this, because we'll get on to the battles. With, with New Orleans, mm-hmm. I think when Michael Thomas was, was quote unquote, I mean, he wasn't healthy, but when we thought he was going to be fine and Everything looked good. I, I locked Jameis in to the starting role there. I thought, right, Cam's not going to do anything. He'll, he'll get the job. It'll be his to lose, but he'll start it week one. Mm-hmm. Now, I think without a recognized wide receiver talent, and yeah. no, I'm not putting Chris Hogan as recognized wide receiver talent, um, I can't help but think Hill is going to start the season now because I just think yeah. that that's the only way that offense can be salvaged and run. I. I'm with you on that. And that's something that's something we've been talking about, you know, for weeks now is like, 
you know, wouldn't if you're if you're going to try to stopgap the five, six, seven games that Thomas is going to miss, wouldn't you want to just build a super run heavy offense? Like they have the personnel to do it. They still have a great offensive line. They've got Kamara and Latavius Murray, who's a great early down back still. And then you can run Taysom with the the zone read. And, you know, they they ran Taysom quite a bit in the red zone. I mean, he had like the second most designed carries out of all quarterbacks behind Cam Newton um, in the red zone. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think. I think week one it'll be Taysom Hill as a starter, um, and I, I've got a I've got a couple bets in on Taysom Hill being being the week one starter at some plus money odds. So I'm, yeah. I'm pretty happy about it. I think you're going to land that, especially. I think the last arrow that pointed that one to me was the Devonta Freeman signing. Like, why are you bringing another yeah. back in there if you're not going to do what we talked about, which is just to go ahead and just run it yeah. hard? They need and they needed a third back because Ty Montgomery is transitioning back to receiver. So he can wear that 88 and not look, not look crazy as a running back, but yeah. Yeah. Freeman will be their three. Um, and, and yeah, I think, I think they're set up to be, to be really run heavy. I looked into this for our franchise focus series over on the site. The saints were really run heavy. Like they were top five in run rate in Hills four starts last year. Like if you adjust for game script. So yeah, I think we're going to see, I think we're going to see New Orleans offense look quite a bit different than we're accustomed to this year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and in terms of the other QB battles, we've got sort of three others, um, which are the Patriots, the Bears, and the 49ers. How do you see those battles based on what you've seen so far in camp? And where do you think the rookies might get their chance? So I think the Patriots are probably the easiest one to break down. I think, you know, because Cam had that full offseason and he's, you know, familiar with, um, you know, McDaniels for a full year and, you know, they kind of have that offense installed. I think we're going to see Cam for at least the first month of the year, unless he really tanks. Um, and I think they're just going to play it slow with Mac and just kind of bring him along slowly. Um, there really hasn't been that much buzz that Mac is like pushing for the starter role by week one. So I think that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at with the Patriots, but obviously the Niners and the bears is a lot more interesting because every single day you see, you know, every single beat writer from the 49ers just giving Trey Lance just effusive praise saying he's like making these ridiculous runs and making these ridiculous throws. Uh, he's been compared to Patrick Mahomes like 15 times now. Uh, yeah, it's like, okay, I love Trey Lance for what it's worth this year. Like he's one of my, he's my favorite late round quarterback for mm-hmm. sure. But like, I feel like people are taking it a little too far at this point. But that being said, um, you know, Shanahan said in a couple weeks ago, you know, Hey, I'm not going to give Trey Lance any first team reps. And then, you know, lo and behold, he gave him first team reps this week, even before the first preseason game. So I still think there's a chance, no matter what Shanahan says, I mean, his actions have been different, but that Lance is going to start week one. Um, And then fields and Dalton, I don't know how you feel, but I really don't have a great read on who's going to start early. I kind of feel like the bears are just going to, they're going to play it slow with fields, even though they probably shouldn't. But I think we'll probably see Dalton week one at this point. What, what do you think about the Bears situation? Because that's been, the t- I think, the toughest one to kind of figure out. Yeah, so I, I'm with you on San Fran. I, it's going to be, I think the San Fran, I still think if, there, if there's an option for Jimmy G to get traded, I still think that will be on the table for someone. The biggest, yeah, the biggest problem is his contract. Yeah. The Niners would probably have to eat quite a bit of that money. And I don't know if, I don't know if they're in a position to do that. No. So that's something, but I'm with you. I think Lance 
if he doesn't if he doesn't start by week one, I don't think it's long. I'd say by like week four, he's probably yeah. gonna get the gig. I don't think it's gonna be too long. I think they're too excited and too amped up on him. The Bears one is interesting. I, I am I'd say I'm probably ninety-five percent sure Dalton plays the first few weeks of the season. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that's what happens because I just think the Nagy offense and the way that he likes to run that offense, he slightly overcomplicates what is a very basic offense. And yes. I think um, I think Fields will just struggle with some of the nuances of that of that offense, um, especially some of the play action that they'll do. I think that's where Fields just will need a bit of time. I don't think he needs a lot of time. Um, I can see Fields taking over before the bye week. I think it yeah. all depends on how bad the start is. I think if, Dalton, if Andy yeah. Dalton loses, I think he gets four games. I think if he loses two, maybe three, um, I think he, he they'll think, well, we might as well just go with this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, oh, that's, ex- that's exactly what I was about to say, man, because Pace and Nagy, I mean, this is it. Like, if they... If they tank this year, you know, this this is it. I mean, they got they traded up for fields and wisely so. I mean, it was a fantastic trade up. Oh yeah. Um, but you know, they they have got to they've got to put the the foot on the gas, so to speak. But um yeah, I still think, man, I think, you know, the Niners obviously owe, you know, Jimmy G like 24, 25 million bucks this year. I think with the Colts situation, I think we might, you know, there might be another situation pop up i still think that they want to trade jimmy g i don't think that's a question i just think you know it's just the cap number is so high they're gonna have to kind of finagle away i guess around it but i think i think they want to trade jimmy g i think yeah. that they're not going to come out and say that because that would just nuke his trade value most likely oh absolutely but, I mean, yeah, I think I think that's kind of where they're at. I mean, you don't give up all those picks to move up to three overall to not start your rookie like pretty early. No. Well, speaking of uh, speaking of trades, so let's go back to Chicago. What what do you reckon the chances are Nick Foles ends up in in Indy? Because that's yeah. one I can see happening. The money's not too bad. He's yeah. reunited with his old coach in Frank Reich. Yeah, poor poor Carson Wentz. Honestly, it'd be pretty hilarious if if Foles ended up going to the Colts and uh, winning games for them. I, I think it's yeah, it's an outside chance. I mean, the Bears, you know, they're going to roll with Dalton and Fields. Most teams just carry two quarterbacks, so I'm sure they would love to to dump Fields on the on the Colts. And I think that's still certainly within the conversation. Yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting one as to what happens. Um, while we're on quarterback trades, what are you making of the Eagles trading potentially for Deshaun Watson? Because this one is really picking up steam. I I genuinely think this is going to happen, but I don't know what you think. I think it's going to happen at a, at a, later down the road. I think it's going to happen eventually. Uh, Watson's going to get moved. But look, the Texans are – and they sh- honestly, at this point, they have no other option but to wait and get – what they feel like is the full value for Watson, but there's just so much that needs to be played out in terms of, you know, even though it's not a a strictly legal process, I mean, there's so much that needs to be played out, you know, with, you know, all the, all the women coming out against them. Um, And that's going to be, you know, that'll be settled, but it's going to take time. The NFL might have some sort of, um, you know, some sort of suspension for Watson too. So I, I kind of don't buy the fact that the Eagles are going to do it now. I just think that's just, you're kind of, you're kind of getting ahead of your skates on that one. Um, I think a lot of what 
we're seeing in terms of Watson showing up to camp and being there and also all of these trade rumors is just kind of like judging the public's reaction to some of this stuff because of, you know, what Watson is being accused of is pretty, uh, pretty gross to say the least. So, yeah, I mean, I, I I think Watson's going to get traded eventually. I don't buy that. It's going to be anytime soon though. There's just so much that's got to play out here. Yeah. I think uh, my only thing is I've, you know, looked into this a little bit and, the NFL can't seem to get any evidence from yeah. me, for the police, or from the plaintiffs, which is making their decision difficult. So they're kind of standing pat because it's right. like, well, we can't make a decision based on no information. So I agree with you. I, I think it's, you know, I don't think anyone here is probably questioning what's happened or that he's obviously done some uh, extremely questionable, uh, morally wrong, potentially legally wrong issues. Um right. And it is disgusting. Um, I just hope that, you know, I just hope that he gets support and I hope that that happens and he gets a a punishment. If it's a year, then it's a year. If it's two years or however long it needs to be, then I hope it happens. But I think the NFL are going to struggle to get that in place before the season starts. Yeah. And this has kind of been, you know, the NFL's stance is like, you know, in the past with some of the domestic violence stuff, they were obviously way too light-handed with their suspensions. And then they <laughs> turned around and tried to like remedy that by being like way too quick with some of their suspensions. And now they've kind of found that middle ground. where like, okay, we're going to let the, you know, we're going to stop being the court <laughs> here and just kind of like let these processes play out. And I think that's, that's kind of what they're doing right now. They really also have no other choice. They have no other choice. Goodell and the NFL, they really don't have another choice but to let this kind of whole, you know, this whole situation play out. No, absolutely. I want to move on to a different subject. It was from a tweet you sent the other day, actually, about uh, Darrell Henderson. And you talked mm-hmm. about Sean McVay saying that Darrell Henderson has the ability to be a three down back. But um, you're also a bit skeptical about his usage, um, mm-hmm. given the fact that, you know, you put in your tweet here, play 47% of LA snaps in the six games that Cam Akers was out or severely limited. So break down that situation, because I'm with you 100%, by the way, but just break down that situation as to how you potentially see this, you know, two-headed, three-headed monster breaking down in in, in LA right now. Right. So off the bat, I I feel like everybody has kind of just like, what they're doing, I feel like with Henderson is they're just, they have, you know, his rookie year just kind of baked into their memories. Cause he, you know, he obviously was very disappointing in his rookie year. He just couldn't really get on the field. Then he got hurt. Um, so I feel like everybody's just kind of like primed to remember that rookie year, but they're kind of not looking into how damn good he was last year. I mean, Henderson took a massive step forward. He was better than Cam Akers last year on the ground. Oh, like if you yeah. look at their efficiency numbers, uh, Henderson was second best in first downs per carry and fifth best in success rate out of 40 backs that saw a hundred more early down carries. So that's first and second down carries because third down carries are, you know, there's sometimes like short yardage situations. So early down carries Henderson was much better than acres. Acres was 34th and first downs and 29th in success rate, which is like, you know, the bottom half of the league. Um, Henderson was awesome last year. Then he got hurt. Uh, he got put on IR with a really severe ankle injury, um, required surgery. And that's kind of what allowed acres to pop late last year is, you know, he just didn't have the competition there. That being said, um, everything that I have read and heard from Sean McVay, um, and, you know, post acres injury has been something to that effect. It's like, 
yeah, we love Drell Henderson. He's super explosive for us. He's going to play a bunch, but we got to try to find a way to keep him healthy. And that's been the biggest problem for him the last two years. You know, he had a really bad ankle injury last year, uh, got banged up all of, all in his rookie season. I think he had a couple injuries in training camp too, his rookie year. Um, so yeah, I think, I think we're going to see Henderson in some sort of one a one B situation. Now, whether that's like a true 50, 50 split or 60, 40 split probably is like the biggest thing we got to figure out for Henderson. Um, but yeah, I think, I think the Rams adding a body to this backfield is certainly, certainly within question. Uh, I think if, if one of Xavier Jones or Jake Funk pops in camp, um, it gets really, you know, a customer really quickly. I think we could see one of those guys playing some sort of Malcolm Brown type role where they get eight, nine, 10 carries a game. Um, so I think, you know, unless Henderson can come out and prove that he's a bell cow, which is something he hasn't done, even dating back to his days in college, he was a part-time player at Memphis too. I think we're going to see Henderson capped. Now, does that mean he's a bad pick in the fifth round? No, absolutely not. I mean, you could have the right team build and he could be, you know, a fantastic RB2 for you and score 14, 15, 16 points a game. But I'm I'm also tempering expectations that I don't think he's going to get the role that we expected Cam Akers to get. That's kind of the biggest point because Akers has been a bell cow in his career. Yeah. I, I completely agree. I think I think fifth round for Darrell Henderson is something that depending on how you're building your roster, yeah, I, I think it's, it's fine. I think, you know, I think you could do that and that move makes, makes sense. Reaching to the back end of the fourth, you could probably just about swallow it. I think any higher than that, and I think you're setting yourself up to, to fail massively. And if like, it's like you say, if you think he's the next Cam Akers, I mean, I, I've read so many articles of people saying he's going to get a bigger role than Cam Akers because yeah. there's no one behind him. He doesn't have Darrell Henderson behind him. And like, it's not quite how this works. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, the, and that's the thing is like, we got to be super careful of is like, you know, if Tyree Kill misses time, well, the, you know, now Michael Hardman's in a full-time role, but if, if Tyree Kill missed time last year, the Chiefs didn't view Michael Hardman as Hill's direct backup. He was still in the same role. Like this is something that I see a lot of the time. That's a big pitfall of fantasy players. Is like, if the starter goes down, the guy behind him is not necessarily his direct backup. He might play more snaps, but he's not going to have the same role. There's a huge difference there. And I think that's exactly what we're looking at with Henderson. Yeah, I, exactly. To, you know, to emphasize that point further, if if uh, Mike Evans goes down for the Buccaneers, yes. the, the backup would be Tyler Johnson or Scotty Miller. And, and neither of those guys are going to get anywhere exactly. near the work that Mike Evans would get. It would go straight to Godwin and straight to Antonio Brown. And, Right. They'd get theirs, but it won't be anywhere near um, exactly. what what they think. So yeah, I, exactly right. I think you've got to look at what they're going to do, and 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 also I look at this Rams offense and think they've always been an offense that. All right, I know Gurley had those two big years, but you know, in one of those years when he went down, they just plugged in CJ Anderson and he went yeah. off and became a league winner. Like, yeah, I know. <laughs> like you, it doesn't matter. Like they don't rely on one back. It's all about the scheme and how they how they coach it up and they can just get guys. And I think they'll get a guy, whether it's Jones, whether it's Funk, whether they sign someone, but let's pivot slightly because we've had yourself on before. We've had Joe Dolan on before. We talk about fantasy points, but we're getting new listeners all the time. I want to talk about fantasy points because I absolutely love the site. I subscribe and, and I love everyone you've got there. You know, I've been blessed enough to play with, Justin Vaughn's in leagues and, oh, yeah. uh, you know, he's such a great guy. He was in my SFB 10 league last year and had such a blast and talked to him um, fairly frequently. And I just think that the team that you've got there is, 
is incredible. In fact, Edwin, Edwin Portis came on our Dynasty show just this week, actually. It's just put out. So um, talk to us about fantasy points. Why should people, I, I mean, I can sing it to the cows come home, but better hear it from the, source, the horse's mouth. Why, why mm-hmm. should people subscribe to fantasy points? What sort of content are you doing on there? What have you got for this year? Because obviously you launched last year in a pandemic. It was a difficult time to launch. Yeah. Um, you did well, really well. Uh, I mean, I loved it. And you've, you've put so many great articles out there. What can people expect this year from fantasy points and why should they be subbing? Yeah, I think, um, you know, we not only do we have just an incredible staff that puts out a wealth of content that, you know, we cover all of our bases. You know, you mentioned, you know, Justin Barnes, he's the best IDP guy in the business. Uh, Edwin Porras, for my money, is the best injury guy in the business because he has such a unique perspective on things because he he's really good from like a data perspective. Um, so he kind of understands like the probabilities of like, you know, injury return and stuff like that. So yeah, I always, we've been picking his brain on injuries all week. Um, you know, you just get so much bang for your buck. I, I genuinely believe that we're the best value in fantasy. I mean, you can get, you know, most of the site, if you're just playing season long, um, you can get our site for 50 bucks a year. And there's very few values like that. You know, if you don't play DFS or you, you know, you're not into DFS or you're not into betting, um, you can get all of our projections. The majority of our articles that aren't like DFS or gambling related, you can get all of those for 50 bucks a year. And there's just, there's very few sites that offer that type of deal. Um, so, I mean, you get, you know, Hanson and the staff's projections, you know, all of our season long articles, um, players to value, players to target. You know, we've been doing a huge franchise focus series where we've, <laughs> We write like thousands and thousands of words on every team. Um, we we do everything and do all the legwork to get you prepared. So, yeah, I mean, not only is it the staff, it's just the the quality and the amount of content is just fantastic. And I'm I'm super fortunate to be to be a you know be a part of it. Uh, and you mentioned the staff, you know, and I mentioned a few names there. There are very few sites out there that I feel that the staff are so frontward facing. I mean, you guys do a lot yeah. of podcasts, not just on your own network, but you, you come on podcasts like mine, you go on lots of podcasts, but you're just so accessible. I think this is why I'm such a big fan of everyone that works there, because everyone I've ever met that's associated with Fantasy Points just will always answer a message. They will always get in touch, whether you're a subscriber or not. I'm not saying they should freeload, but I'm just saying that you're also great with your time to make sure that people get the questions and get the information they need. And you're very generous with that. And I think that for me is the USP, the fantasy points over anything else. It's just the people behind it just are really, you're all great people. You're all just people who just really care and have this passion that I look at some sites and think, that's not always the case. You've got some people that are like that and you've got some people who are very reserved and just, you know, hide behind their paywall, which is fine. And, you know, nothing, nothing against that, but Mm -hmm. I just think you're all terrific and you do such a great job with it. And yeah, absolutely. I 50 bucks. I think that works out to be somewhere in the region (laughs) of about 37 pounds, which is just not a lot of money really for what you get. Yeah. It's like 30 cents a day or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, man, yeah, it costs us. It costs nothing to be nice to people. You know, it really does. I mean, it's just, it's so easy. It's so much easier, I think, to choose just to be nice. And, um, you know, I, I love talking to you love to, I mean, I, I love getting people's opinions on stuff. And, um, you know, I always learn a lot when I do you know, people's podcasts. So yeah, man, it's just, um, I couldn't imagine doing anything else. 
and I'm just super blessed to be in the spot I'm in for sure. But, uh, but yeah, it's, I'm also not going to sit here and tell you that I don't like love this shit. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's just, it's so, it's so fun. I mean, I get to do, you know, fantasy 24 seven and, you know, I'm thinking about where I'm going to take Kenny Galladay in freaking February. You know, that's, that's awesome. Like that's, that's, it's still like pinch me for me. Like it's crazy. Uh, I can't believe you're still going back on giants after last year. Uh, oh no, I'm not. Actually, I wanted to ask you about this because Daniel Jones was a freaking disaster. Oh uh, no, We car crashed hard on him. Yeah, we did. We did. But, um, I, I'm kind of, I was in on Kenny Galladay this summer, honestly, in like the sixth round, but now between the hamstring and between the circus that is the Giants camp right now, I'm out. Like it's yeah. Barkley and that's it for me. That's, that's kind of where I'm at. I, I do like Kadarius Tony late still. I've been taking a bunch of Tony late in like best ball. Um, but yeah, it's, it's Barkley earlier, Tony late. And that's, that's kind of where I'm at. Do you know who I am sneakily buying because he's practically free at this point is Sterling Shepard. Yeah. yeah. Just because. Absolutely. Just you're, you're not, the, you're not the only person on that. I've heard a lot of sharp people on, on Shepard too. I just think, well, because I'm getting him in drafts, last two rounds of drafts. And you yeah. just think, do you know what? Is there anyone really out there that's that's got the pedigree he has? No. So it's like, well, I could go for Tony, and Tony could do some outrageous things. Or I could go with Sterling Shepard. And he if he can get back to where he was two, three years ago, I appreciate that's a long shot, but if he stays healthy, I don't think there's yeah. any question of talent. It's just health. Yeah. I just think for the price you're paying on him, well, I, I'm I'm happy to pick him up and give him a spin. And the good thing with Shepard is he's going to be back in his normal role. He's going to be back in the slot because they're yeah. going to play Galladay out wide, Slayton out wide. So Shepard will get more of those like easy access type of plays. What's weird though, Shepard's actually been better out wide, but that kind of goes against common sense. I mean, he's he's you know he's the definition of like. He's the archetype of a of a slot receiver. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think he's he's perfect for that role. I think he'll get peppered with targets if he stays healthy. It's just the question of is he going to be that? You know, is he going to get enough there? But I I think he will. Um, Giants camp, by the way, might be the most entertaining camp that's been out there. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely, it's a circus. Like I said, circuses <laughs> are entertaining. <laughs> I mean, we ah. We've had we've had Benjamin get fired for stealing food. You've had a player. Was that actually bun- true? Yeah. Was that uh, was the KB yeah. thing actually true? It was actually well. It was according to one of the beat writers. It was it that that was the reason. I don't think the, the oh team goodness. have officially confirmed it, but I think yeah. there was more than enough Man, evidence to. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a strange sad, one. Yeah, very sad. I just think. That's a bizarre situation. Then, you know, you had the entire team bundle Daniel Jones over a <laughs> collision. You've had a player, like, injure someone and get cut as a result. I just this, you know, Joe Judge is making everyone run lap. You had two players come out, yeah. you know, two players retire within a week of signing for the team. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's box It seems office. like that's where drink. That's where that's where dreams go to die right now. Is they go up to New York Giants and they go to die. You see that? I don't know if you've seen it yet, but Jason Garrett at the end of his press conference today, it's Thursday. Um, at the end of his press conference today, he walked away from the podium. He said, "By the way, it's not Jason, it's Coach." And he walked away. It's like, oh. dude, come on! You're not their coach. You're not the media's coach. Like, what are we? What are we doing here? I like, love God, that. Are you are you that insecure, man? Like, holy crap! I tell you what. They have absolutely messed up this year. They should have been hard knocks. 
Oh, they really should be. <laughs> yeah, they they really missed up. They picked the wrong NFC East team. They, they picked really the wrong did. NFC East team. If they had the Giants as hard knocks, this, I mean, <laughs> it would have been unbelievable. I, I mean, like, I, I don't tend to love hard knocks all that much. I think it's pretty oversaturated, like, I agree. paper yeah. stuff. But, wow, I would have yeah. tuned in. Um, if you've not checked out Giants training camp, go find everything you can. It is box office every single day. Um, back to fantasy points, because one of the things you get if you do subscribe is you get your amazing yards created metric and column, um, which is extremely useful for um, new rookies that are coming in, especially this class where there isn't a lot of pedigree in terms of number, but there is some absolute class. So it's trying to differentiate the class altogether. Um, and then you also do a three-year review, which I absolutely love. So talk to us about Yards Created. Mm-hmm. I know when you last came on, you explained what it was, but we've got a lot of new listeners since then. So what is it? How does it work? And why is it really important? And what does it give the reader? What kind of information does it, does it sure. give? Sure. So I started doing Yards Created um, six years ago now. Uh, it's only for college running backs. So I just, it's one of those things where like I'm a one man charting team and I just don't have the time to really sink my teeth in the NFL. Wish I did, but yeah, I, I do it. Um, starting in January, I'll chart pretty much the entire running back class. Like everybody who is you know projected to be drafted um, or be drafted highly. Um, I chart every single run and every single passing play um, that they make in like a six or seven game sample. And in college, that usually shakes out to like half the season. Um, again, it's a time thing. I don't have time to chart, you know, all of Najee Harris's like 280 carries, but I can get to, you know, 60% of them. So I chart every running play, every receiving play and yards created is the difference that uh, a running back makes when the offensive line has or has not done his job. So for example, like if a play, let's say a running play gains 10 yards the offensive line opens up a hole of four yards. The running back gets through that hole, makes a linebacker miss, and it gets tackled at the first down marker for a 10-yard gain. I would chart that as four yards blocked for the offensive line, six yards created for the running back, and a missed tackle forced. Um, So, you know, that's kind of like the oversimplified version of yards created. I mean, there's way more that goes into it. Um, I'm re-watching runs like five and six times to make sure I've got the details right. But that's that's the nuts and bolts of of what yards created has been about. And it's it's incredible because what it does is it separates teams, especially for me, like the Alabama backs, because they've had such an, a, a huge offensive yeah. line for years right. that produces. You know, you, you see stats of running backs coming out of Alabama, and you think, wow, these are unbelievable numbers they're putting up, and then you you sit there and think, well, how much of that was the offensive line? How much of that was the back? And mm-hmm. that's where you, um, that's where you're really sort of separating the wheat from the chaff because it's not addressed about the players that have gone to the best schools. You're really looking at the best talent. And sometimes you even get smaller school backs making right. an appearance where people might've faded them completely because of where they've gone. Right. And so based on this, Let's talk about some of the backs from this year. Um, you know, there's a pretty consensus running back one, um, but let's talk about the, sort of the few backs after that. So obviously Harris, the consensus one, and he's landed in a great spot and he's going to get a lot of volume. I don't think anyone's going to jump to to take anyone other than Harris as their running back one from this rookie class. But 
let's talk about the, the you know Etienne and Sermon, who's getting a lot of buzz in camp, and then injuries around him are kind of promoting his role. Um, and a few of the other backs. What, what are your thoughts on on them, and where would you sort of value them based on on yards created? Yeah, so um, Williams this year, and I think you kind of alluded to it, this was a really weak rookie class. This is it's honestly running me a lot of the Josh Jacobs class back in 2018 where Henderson came out and Sanderson, yeah, Sanders came out. Um, it's just kind of top-heavy and then really weak after that. Um, but Javante Williams, man, he was awesome. Like, it put him in any class, and he would have been, you know, in my top five of, of the class. Um, led this, led this group in, in yards created per attempt, led the group in missed tackles forced. He was also the best pass blocker. Um, and in camp, um, I can't remember, I think it, it might've been Shermer. It might've been Fangio, but one of those two guys, one of their coaches, you know, their, their head coach, their offense coordinator has already come out and said, like, we love his pass protection, um, which is rare because certain most rookies come out and they certainly aren't, I mean, they just are sometimes zeros in pass protection. So I think that's going to earn Williams snaps early. Um, love Javante Williams. I was kind of mixed on Travis Etienne. Um, obviously his calling card is speed. I mean, he has just game breaking home run speed. He's going to be the fastest player on the field in, in some of his games already. Um, that being said, I, I, he struggled in my metrics as an inside runner. Um, and I, I would have told you this if we did this podcast in April. Um, I never thought Etienne was going to be a true, like every down runner bell cow back now that being said obviously we've seen alvin Kamara, austin Eckler. i mean countless backs still be you know rb1s in fantasy without that true like bell cow ezekiel elliott christian mccaffrey role um but now etn goes into a spot where he's got to compete for targets with you know three good receivers um he's got to compete for early down carries with javante uh not javante once but james robinson and he's going to have to compete for goal line carries, not only with Robinson, but for Trevor Lawrence, who's really good near the goal line. Like Clemson ran a bunch of like zone read stuff and option read stuff with Lawrence near the goal line. So I'm, I've been, I've been struggling with ETN all summer. Uh, Scott Barrett convinced me that ETN's a, a better pick than I, than I thought he was at first glance, but I'm still, I'm still struggling with him. Um, and then Sermon, Yards created love Sermon. Um, he was second in this class in Yards created per attempt. Um, in that, like Najee Harris and Javante, uh, not Javante Williams, but uh, Najee Harris and, um, and ETN range in terms of missed tackles forced. Um, in my sense, when I, when I watched him last year at Ohio State, is, I mean, this, this guy is immediately, I'm like, he's just a professional runner. Like he is immediately going to you know, come into the NFL and regardless of where he goes, he's going to earn, you know, eight to 12 carries per game. And it just so happens he goes to the perfect system for his skill set outside zone in San Francisco. Uh, that's pretty much what Ohio State ran last year was a lot of outside zone. So um, I love Sermon. Just it's the opposite of it's the opposite of Najee Harris. Just don't love the situation because we know we know what Shanahan does, man. And that's that's rotate his backs. Yeah. Do you so he's going now sixth round Trey Sermon. Yeah. Given the playoff schedule, the fantasy playoff schedule, and how easy that schedule is on paper, it's hard to tell right now, but if we're theorizing it out based on last year, that playoff schedule is more than tasty against the run for Sermon. And given the fact that you've got Jeff Wilson down, don't know when he's going to be back. Most uh, niggling, carrying injuries, questionable every other week, it seems. 
they do have Wayne Gorman there, who was sneakily good for the Giants under the radar good last year when he had his opportunities to play. Do you think that Sermon, I don't necessarily think he comes out the block and hits it hard, but do you yeah. think that, say, by the bye week and onwards, he can really carve out a meaningful role to the point where he can exploit that yeah. that that fantasy playoff schedule? Or are you still concerned that he's never going to reach that sixth round ADP on value because there's going to be too much rotation? Yeah, that's my concern is that Mostert is still really good and Shanahan's always loved him. I mean, whenever Mostert's been healthy, he's played him and he's given him a big role. And I, I think we could see a point where Sermon is like the 1A, but, you know, Mostert will still mix in for his 10, 12 carries per game. I mean, that's an ideal duo, honestly. Like Sermon and, and Mostert is a great duo because Sermon is way more of a physical runner than you might expect. Uh, where Mostert is just all speed. I mean, he's a speed track start runner, and it works well. I mean, it works perfectly in that scheme. So, I mean, I think Shanahan, if you give both perfect health, I mean, that's the ideal duo for him, a Sermon and, and Mostert. And then you mix in maybe a little Elijah Mitchell on passing downs. You mix in Wayne Gallman for some early down stuff. Like, it's I – think, I think we might be looking at the same three- to four-man rotation that we've seen for, for previous years. Yeah, and I th- – and the other thing is, if if Lance does come in, he's also very handy with with his feet and could yep. uh, monopolize some opportunities that's, there. That's a great point. Yeah. So it's it, yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, but it's it's good that Yards Gate loved him because I I do like what he can do, and I do think he's someone who, if he gets the opportunity, could be a league winner. But it is a it's a risk, but. I'm willing to take that risk in some drafts in the sixth round because of that schedule at the end. And if he does win that role and he can get a one, a role or mm-hmm. a one role, I think is your RB three. He'll, he'll outperform that if he gets the opportunity, but what about, so we talked about Etienne. Etienne's role is confusing um, in that spread offense of, <laughs> of our boys down there in Jacksonville. Um, and he's going to be competing, as you said, with Chenault. I think he hits Chenault quite hard there. Um, those agree. two are going to monopolize each other. Who else does the model hate? Well, not hate, but not approve of. And then looking back at your three-year article, is there anyone that potentially is going higher in drafts that you've looked at based on the three-year data that you would be fading based on yards created? Yeah, so for this class, I mean, after the top three or four, it was – pretty meh i mean michael carter was was fine but he was behind javante williams and um and missed tackles forced i think i think carter's kind of on that like chase edmonds geo bernard type of talent spectrum um and where he's going in drafts i think he can pay off his cost but uh man i i i was not a fan of hubbard not a fan of stevenson um really there's just not much else to this class um that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, you're seeing that obviously in in drafts. Is those those guys just are barely even on the radar? Yeah, no, it's a strange. It's it's such a strange class. And next year's doesn't look too much better. <laughs> I think it does. I think it's I think it's better. I think it's a little better. Spiller's great. Um, there's um, you know the Ohio State Brees Hall. Uh, I think I think it'll be a little bit better. The top is still good. I think I think it'll be better from a depth perspective too, though. But yeah, yeah, we uh, we're we're that 2017 class where we got all those great backs. Uh, I think we were a little spoiled with uh, with that one. That was the McCaffrey, Mixon, Camara, 
Fournette. Yeah, Fournette. I mean, even Aaron Jones was in that class too. So, yeah, yeah. I, think I think we got a little spoiled from that one. No, I, I agree. So let's look ahead to 2021 very quickly. Got about five, 10 minutes left. And let's look at each position and, and talk about one that start with the quarterbacks and we'll go down a quarterback that you're aggressively targeting in drafts this season and one that you're fading pretty much at all costs. Yeah. So I, I wish I could have said this like a month ago, it would have been Lance, but now everybody's aggressive with Lance. So, um, you know, he's gone from a 14th, 15th round pick in best ball leagues to like 11th to 12th. I mean, there's just, I, I still think there's value there, I, but I just think he's being more appropriately priced. Um, so the one guy, and this is probably like low hanging fruit. It's Lamar Jackson, man. Like every time I'm on the clock in the fifth round and that running back pool dries up, the wide receiver pool starts to dry up. I have been taking a lot of Lamar. Um, a lot of my teams this year are usually like one running back in the first or second round, um, a receiver uh, in the first or second. Then I come back in the third and fourth to take a couple more receivers. Um, and then Lamar in the fifth. I think, I just think there's so much, there's such a high floor with Lamar um, and obviously he still has QB one upside and he's not being drafted, uh, as a QB, as, as the, the, as he has the upside to be the QB one, people are still on Allen. I see Murray go ahead of him in some drafts still. Um, so yeah, Lamar has kind of been my guy in the fifth, sixth round this year. I, I just, I just think it's such a, it's such a fair price and there's so much built in safety and upside with that pick. Yeah. Cause he's going off like QB six right now, which is just depending on the format yeah. is, is a bit, yeah. is a bit wild. Um, you know, you got Dak, you're not hundred percent sure how fit he is. I mean, you assume he's fine, but then, yeah, you got Allen and Murray and Mahomes and, you know, it's, if it is closely bunched up, but I agree, you, you need to be a little bit different. And I, I couldn't agree more. I think if, if Lamar is there in, in that sort of fifth, sixth round, you, you got to snap because he's going to give you that upside all day long. I think it's, it's so different for me this year with, with I wrote the playbook this year and I talked about the fact that you can't wait on QB anymore because of the fact yep. that you give away okay. such a significant advantage. And I'm not saying you should reach to the second or third round and get Mahomes in a one QB, but you should be sniffing in that fifth, sixth round to walk away with one of Alan Murray, Dak or um, Lamar yeah. or at worst Aaron Rodgers. Well, the one, the one guy I think you can wait on this year is Tannehill. I yeah, do absolutely. like Tannehill in like ninth, 10th round. I think that's the one guy you can wait and feel really comfortable with. But after that, yeah, it's it's dicey. It's really well, dicey. After well, I'm QB quite happy 12. to wait on Brady. Um, yeah, yeah Brady's good too. Yeah. I'm still project. I've got him projected. I'm a bit higher than most. I've got him projected at five, QB five. Yeah. I, I just think that offense with the weapons and everything there, he's he's going to be better than he was last year. That's how I look yeah. at it. And you think he returned QB six, I think last year, he's going to be better than he was. And I just think there's the schedules pretty favorable there. Um, the division seems to be crumbling right before. In fact, the NFC yep. in total seems to be crumbling right before his eyes. <laughs> so I just think yeah. it's all opening up for Brady. So um, what about fading then? Who, who's the QB that all costs you're just going to fade completely into the abyss? Um, I, it's not that I'm out on Justin Herbert. It's just, I'm out on the price. You know, mm. he goes ahead of Russell Wilson, ahead of Aaron Rodgers, and Herbert, man, he doesn't run, you know, no. like if I'm going to take a non scrambling quarterback, I want it to be Rodgers or I want it to be Brady. 
Like that's the two, that's the way I'm thinking of it. Um, Wilson, man, Wilson still, I still think has like top three upside. I mean, if they, if Waldron actually goes past heavy and they start pushing the pace, man, Wilson just has such a, such an, an amazing ceiling. And, you know, with Herbert, I just have not found myself drafting him that much because of the quarterbacks he goes around and because of the baked in regression too. I mean, they're changing coaching staffs. I mean, Shane Steichen did a phenomenal job last year with him, uh, all new coaching staff, um, man, I, I just, I think Herbert is a little bit too pricey for me. I'm so with you. I can't draft Justin Herbert this year. I just can't. Yeah. It, it sucks because he's, he's so fun. He's such a, he's going to oh. be a great player, man. He's going to be awesome. It's just, he's so pricey. I mean, I own him so much in dynasty. It's ridiculous. Yes. Yes. Um, because I just saw in the draft process, I saw how he was reacting and saw that the, the scheme in Oregon just didn't suit him. And when I looked at him through the process, I thought, He's just too cheap. I'm happy to take him. I'm happy to pass to her, get the value. And I was trading down to pass to her to get Justin Herbert because I didn't see that's the great, gap. That's that's so smart. I wish I wish I I wish we had talked about this because <laughs> um, I have no Herbert in Dynasty. I have so much. I, had a, I did a trade last year where I was on the clock uh-huh. and in a in a super flex and John Helmkamp decided he really wanted Tua and he gave me, so I was on the, the 107. I had the 108 as well. So I was picking back to back. Mm-hmm. I got the 109, the 111, the 201, and the 206. And I think I coughed back the 302. Oh my um, I took with that haul. So he took Tua. I got Justin Jefferson, Justin <laughs> oh, Herbert, no. Antonio Gibson, um, I did oh, whiff no. and get um, oh, Keyshawn Vaughn. Okay. Yeah. And then Vaughn I picked, yeah. Somewhere, yeah. Um, yeah. And there was someone, but yeah, that, that was my haul. So basically for Tua. Holy crap. Yeah, for Tua and a third round pick, I got Jefferson, Bra- you know, Antonio Gibson, and, and Justin Herbert, and Keyshawn Vaughn, which doesn't mean. Yeah, my goodness, man. That's like one of the all-time best trades. I'm in a uh, super flex startup right now. It's 14 teams. Herbert went 106 right after Dak. And I took Justin Jefferson at the 2-4 on the turn. So you you literally turn that into two first round or basically first round type players uh, pretty quickly. But yeah, man, it's just so tough to draft Justin Herbert over Aaron Rodgers. I can't do it. No, I, just, I, I can't bring myself to do that. Well, I think I think Rogers now will rebound, and I think his ADP yeah. will rebound and go right. over over Jefferson, but yeah, right. over Herbert. But yeah, I just think with Herbert, I think what you saw last year is him at his absolute best. I don't think there's yep. anywhere else for him to go. I think the best result is you get exactly the, you get twenty twenty Justin Herbert. Yep. I don't think that's, he's got that much more to go, and I think that's when you've got too. someone that's played at that limit. They're going to go. I don't think he goes down a lot, but I think he goes down a little bit. And yeah, like you say, I think, give me Brady, give me Tannehill all day long. I'm happy to go with that. Um, running backs, who are you? Who are you aggressively targeting, and then who are you faded? Yeah, so Aaron Jones has been like the guy I've been taking a ton of. Back half of the first round, I've been taking him over Barkley. Uh, I'll take him over Tyreek Hill. I mean, you look at it, man. Aaron Jones over the last two years is the RB five in fantasy points. And he goes outside of the top eight 
sometimes even the top 10 of, of backs because, you know, people are pushing up Antonio Gibson and, and Joe Mixon and good for reason, good reason. But yeah, Aaron Jones has been the guy and I, I took him, uh, I did a super flex uh, best ball league with like a, some of the sharpest drafters I've played against this year and a draft sharks. Uh, it was a draft sharks invitational last night. Um, I had the one Oh three. So it's a super flex league. I had, uh, so Mahomes was auto pick at number three, but I came back and I took Aaron Jones in the back wow. half of the second round. Beautiful. And then I took Bark. Yeah. Then I took Barkley in the third Barkley fell to me in the third. So, oh, I'm doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Jones has been like the guy, man, like for whatever reason, people just let him fall in like almost every draft. And I'm, I've been happy to happy to take that up. Uh, so for the one guy I'm fading, um, you know, it's it's always really hard to kind of like truly avoid guys in like the first three to four rounds. But the the one guy I've found myself not drafting a ton of is DeAndre Swift. Um, you know, oh, yeah. I think, yeah, you know he he was in the he was in the second round this summer, um, fell into the third. So I think the price is a little bit better, but. Man, the Lions offense is obviously a, a scary proposition. You know, we've got potential committee, true committee with Jamal Williams there. I think Swift will end up getting the, the higher value touches. I think he'll, he'll end up getting, you know, more red zone work and, and most of the passing down stuff. So he does have outs. Um, I just still think, man, it's just it's hard. It's hard to take Swift over J.K. Dobbins, who like, you know, Dobbins, man, he he could score 12 touchdowns in his sleep this year. You know, I just don't think that's in Swift's, you know, Swift's range. I'm so with you. So I, like for me, I'm aggressively targeting Ezekiel Elliott. I just don't buy that. I don't buy the you. 2020 Zeke is bad hype. You know, everything was wrong in Dallas. I'm prepared to give him a do-over. He was great when Dak was in the team. And he had his issues, but he looked good this year. He's come back. He looks trimmer. He looks healthier. He looks he looks good to go. So I'm quite happy. Similar to what you're doing with Jones is what I do with Zeke. I'll take him over Barkley. I'll take him over Taylor. Same. I'll take him over most Chubb. Uh, all day. I've been long. doing that all summer too, man. It's good yeah. to hear. It's good to hear. I'm on Zeke heavy too. Yeah, I'm Zeke heavy. Um, the one I'm fading is actually someone I did take in my uh, Scott Fishbowl team, and it's it's Jonathan Taylor. I just cannot take Jonathan Taylor in the first round. It just can't yeah. happen because yeah. at best for me, he's like the bottom end of the RB one spectrum, and I'm sitting there thinking, I can't see the ceiling with Jonathan Taylor. Other people can. I just can't see it. Not with Naheem Hines there, not with Marlon Mack there, not with the way that Frank Wright coaches. Similar to the the Pedersen issue in Philadelphia with Miles Sanders. The whole reason I could never get on board the Miles Sanders thing was it was the coaching and the usage. I just couldn't see it. I could not see where Miles Sanders was going to get 100-yard games that frequent, and he didn't. And that's why I was happy to be out on him so often. Um, And I think with Taylor, I think he'll have more 100-yard games than Miles Sanders did in Philadelphia because – He's a better back. He's got more talent. Right. right. But he's going to need to maximize every single touch. He's going to have to basically be more efficient than Aaron Jones was in order to pay off his ADP. And I just don't think he will. Yep. And now, you know, I was, I was warming the JT a little bit, not in the first round like you, but I kind of liked him when he was, if he slid into like the back half of the first and I could, you know, pair him with like Hill um, I liked that, but now, you know, Wentz is probably going to miss the first month. Quentin Nelson seems likely to f- miss at least a couple games with a, with a foot injury. Exactly Eric Fi- yeah. yeah. Eric Fisher's going to, you know, he's coming off an Achilles tear he had in February. He's might not be back till October. 
man, there's just so many like missing pieces on this team. And it's not to say Jonathan Taylor is not a great back. Cause I no. genuinely think he's a generational talent. Like he is on that Saquon Barkley, Adrian Peterson spectrum of just mm-hmm. greatness. But man, that being said, it's just like the surrounding team right now. is just, it's, it's brutal. It's in, you know, with Heinz there, it's just really hard to envision a ceiling because he doesn't have the outs that, you know, Alvin Kamara has or Zeke has, you know, in the passing game, he just doesn't have that. Yeah. I mean, if he's going, I think I got him in the Scottish ball. I think I got him at RB 11. I'm happy. Yeah, to pay that's that. great. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I would pay that price right now. That's kind of, that's yeah. actually where I have him in my ranks is, is RB 11, like RB 11, RB 12. I think that's yeah. completely fair. Yeah. That's why I have him exactly the same place. It's, it's that sort of fringe and think, I think he'll return that. I've not have a problem with that, but when you taking him RB six, I struggle. Quickly then, wide receiver, who are you aggressively targeting and fading? Uh, my big guy this year has been Gallup. Um, I love I love some Michael Gallup in like the eighth, ninth round. It's just simple, man. I want pieces of the Cowboys offense, um, and I love all the receivers. I mean, meah. Lamb is starting to really come up in price. There's just so much hype, and you know, Hard Knocks hasn't even started yet. <laughs> um, I love Lamb, but it's it, it, he's going to – we'll see him in that Justin Jefferson – DK Metcalf range pretty soon, especially with Amari Cooper's um, continued like ankle and foot problems. But yeah, Gallup, man, I've, I've been taking him just a bunch. Eighth, ninth round, fourth, fifth, sixth receiver sometimes. Um, yeah, give me, give me that all day. And there's been some, a lot of buzz out of Cowboys camp that they're going to move the receivers around more, which is huge for both Lamb and Gallup. Because Cooper Cooper moves around a lot. Like he plays in the slot some, they'll line him up at X, they'll put him at flanker. He he moves around to begin with. But they they were really static last year. Lamb played in the slot 93% of it on his 93% of his passing snaps, he was in the slot. And then that left Gallup out wide on 94% of his snaps. So Gallup moving in the slot like a quarter of the time will be huge for him because he's not going to just rely on like, you know, converting all of those deep targets. He's going to get some more shallow stuff and I think that's going to be huge for his floor. I, I just love him as a wide receiver three. Um, as a guy from fading, um, I, it pains me to say this, but I'm kind of out on Mike Evans. I oh, what? Yeah, I know. I know you're not going to like it. I know you're not going to like it. But, you know, in the games that A.B., Godwin, and Evans all played, Evans, all three of those guys split target share. I mean, it was yeah. 18 to 20%. I, I I love Mike Evans, the player, and I think he, he's just like perennially un- underrated. And he's going at a f- very fair price right now. Um, but man, I, I just love some of I, I like the receivers that are going in his range just a little bit more. Like you know, Keenan Allen. Um, I'm taking Justin Jefferson over him. Oh yeah, I'm taking Amari Cooper over him. It's just that Evans, you know, they're they're gonna have Evans is gonna have his weeks where he goes for eight catches and 120 yards and two touchdowns, but. There's just so much target competition, and I think Brady's just going to spread it around too much. So, I know you're a Bucks guy, but I'm, well, I'm not on Evans. That, that's interesting because I I am fading a Buck, but it's not Evans who I'm fading. Um, I'm aggressively targeting, right? So this, if I can walk away from a draft with three of these four wide receivers, I'm absolutely stoked. Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks, Robbie Anderson, Antonio Brown. If I can mm-hmm. walk away with three of those four Sound wide like receivers, yeah. I yeah. absolutely love I think AB, AB and Anderson are the two absolute steals in this this draft. For wide receivers, like they are wide receiver twos 
at wide receiver five prices. It's just ridiculous. Like all day long, I am buying them because they don't even have to, like they'll, they'll easily return their ADP in a sleep, but I'm fading Godwin for very similar reasons to why you're fading Evans. And it's purely down to where Godwin plays. So if you look at the, they will split targets, but I think Evans's role is locked because he's the heavy outside guy with the large catch radius He's the big play guy. His usage for me is locked. He's going to get his targets. He's going to get his catches. He is going to have boom or bust weeks, and I definitely wouldn't draft him as my wide receiver one. And I definitely would be taking Allen and Jefferson over him. But if I'm in that position in mid to late third, and it's like him or Cooper, I think Evans will give me the upside that I don't think Cooper will. Um, I think Cooper is just pretty solid, pretty like vanilla. I don't get excited picking Amari Cooper. I'm like, yeah. He'll return me wide receiver anywhere between wide receiver 10 and wide receiver 15. Cool. But I don't get excited about it. Whereas Evans will give me game winning weeks. And then I just have to know when the fake Godwin I'm worried about because I think he's the odd man out this year. He's not got a contract next year. They're not going to resign him. They can't afford to. He's not going to get 18, mm-hmm. 19 million from the bucks. So he is going to go. And then you're looking at the fact that AB is going to get more usage. He's going to eat into, he ate into so much of Godwin's usage towards the end of the season. And Godwin wasn't quite fit. So it's hard to see how that, but I just think going forward, those two are competing in the same area of the field. That sort of slot slash across the middle kind of role. Evans is just going to be fine to just get his on the outside. So that's why I'm fading Godwin. I think Godwin at his price, he's too close to Evans because I can see Evans's role. He will have good weeks, he'll have bad weeks. But his role for me is locked. I don't think he can lose that much from his role. Unless he gets hurt or unless they decide to dial up Scooter Millison more, um, like they did in the <laughs> NFC title game and they give him some gadget plays, fine. Yeah. But yeah, I'm 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 sort of out on Godwin. I can't draft him anywhere this year because I just can't pay that fourth round price for Godwin, knowing what I know oh, and knowing I, he's not gonna get in. Yeah, I, I think yeah, I think you're you're that's probably the better way to look at it because like you mentioned, Evans is going to get those end zone targets too. Mm-hmm. Goblin does not get a, a bunch of red zone love. So yeah, I, I'm probably too low on Evans. Um, it's just, you know, I just like a lot of the receivers in that range and you kind of have to take a stand somewhere. I'm with you on Godwin too. I haven't, I have not hardly drafted him at all either. So yeah, AB's, AB's been my guy too. You know, give me, give me the, Give me the discount on AB in the eighth ninth all round all day time. long. I think I think AB's good for 70, 80 catches this year. Easy. Yeah. Yeah. Easy. That's, cer- that's certainly within his range of outcomes for sure. Quickly then on tight end. <laughs> Anyone other than Kelsey you're aggressively targeting and Yeah. Uh Waller. I I was all over Kelsey in the second round last year, and I'm kind of treating Waller the same way. Um, if I draw a top four pick. Uh, and I lock in my, you know, whomever it is, McCaffrey, Cook, Henry, Kamara. Um, I have been just hammering Waller in the second round. Uh, I just absolutely love the idea of getting like a positional advantage, not only at, at RB1, but also at tight end one. Mm. Um, and it's just so scarce, dude. I mean, mm. I think it's there's so, so it's so scarce. Like, I think that that price just makes a ton of sense. And you can just come back in the third, fourth round and, and hammer receivers, any of the receivers really we've been talking about today. Mm-hmm. So Waller's kind of been the guy I've been most aggressive on. Um, and then secondarily, the, you know, not just, it, you know, Waller in the second, I love Tyler Higby. 
I've been taking a bunch oh, of Higby yeah. in the eighth, ninth. Yeah. Uh, you know, no Gerald Everett now and everybody's, you know, Higby's finally going to get the role everybody wanted him to get and nobody's on it. So I'm, I'm on Higby. And then as for fades, it's Evan Ingram. It's low hanging fruit, but I just don't <laughs> see the pathway for Ingram to, to pay off, man. He, yeah. I mean, it's just Galladay's there. Tony's there. Barkley's back. Ingram was extremely volatile last year. Um, I just, that's like the one late round tight end guy. I just, I can't get my mind around that. Nice. It's, it's people, why people are backing on Ingram. No, I'm with you. I can't draft him anywhere, especially with Rudolph there as well. You know yeah. Rudolph's going to have some form of role. Uh, right. He couldn't even make it count when he didn't have any competition. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, I'm like, why are people back in on this? Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. No, I'm with, uh, I'm with you. Um, I'm with you. I could, I mean, like, I for me, I can't take anyone other than Kelsey early. I get the point on Waller, but I just hate my builds when I do it. So, okay. I just end up fading tight end, and I'll pick. I'm with you, Higby, Gronk, uh, Everett. They're the three I kind of love. Hunter Henry, after what he's been doing in camp, I'm a little bit excited on. I just started to nibble a little bit in drafts. Um, and, that. yeah, I'm, I'll happily fade Ferks, uh, um, Ingram. I just uh, – mind you, I just don't care about tight ends. I just – unless it's a premium. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, you're speaking to the guy who took his first tight end in the 14th round of the Scott Fishbowl. <laughs> there you go i took i took waller in the second and then i just didn't even think about it for the rest of the draft and that's kind of my point is like yeah. you take waller in the second and then you're just done you just don't even think about it you know who liked it i got commit gronk back to back and then i think yeah 14 15th round i think i took commit and gronk in the 14 15th round which i thought at that point it was like oh it's yeah. green yeah that's a fine that's a fine pairing and then uh I took someone else late. I can't remember who, but yeah. I didn't really care. I just can't, I can't get into tight ends uh, at any point unless it's Kelsey. Um, I can't do it because I just, it's just done like the way the build comes out. But anyway, uh, last question. I'm going to let you go because taking so much of your time here. Oh, that's great, man. Last one is spicy hot take for the 2021 season. You, you know, what, what, what are you, what is Graham Barfield's one super spicy hot take? So I'm, t- I'm obvious. I'm terrible. Like admittedly terrible at hot takes. Like I just, <laughs> I, I, no, it's why I love asking. <laughs> I'm just so bad at it. Um, I'll say Higby uh, finishes the top five tight end. I just think, I, I just think That's it's so set up weird. so well. Man. So like, you. all right, so let's rewind the clock, right? The Rams gave Higby a massive extension back in 2019. Like they, they were all in. And they're still all in, but they have loved Tyler Higby from the, from the get-go. But Gerald Everett was there. You know, Everett blocked Higby. They both split targets basically like right down the middle last year um, and all their games played together. And the Rams don't have a number three receiver. Like, it's it might be Van Jefferson. It's definitely not going to be Deshaun Jackson. Um, they don't really have a number three. And, you know, we talked about Darrell Henderson earlier. I kind of think Henderson is a, is a, a worse pass catcher than Akers. Oh yeah. Um, at least coming out of college, that's the way that I saw it. Um, so a lot of those like, you know, targets that might've gone acres, like the shallower targets might just be pawned off on Higby. Um, and, you know, he can be had right now at like tight end 11, tight end 12 in drafts. So yeah, Higby, Higby's like the one guy where I'm just like, I, I see so much upside mm-hmm. that it feels like everybody else kind of isn't seeing let me, let me ask you a question. Who's going to finish higher, Tyler Tyler Higby or TJ Hawkinson? Oh. 
See, that that is so funny that you say that because I actually think Hawkinson and Higby in terms of like total production is a really close comparison. That's why I asked because that's uh, I've re- got it back to back. Yeah, that's really close, man. Um, I just Hawkinson has such fewer target competition. I think his floor is like slightly higher, but Higby has more touchdown upside. I mean, the lines are going to stink, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of, yeah. yeah. So man, that's, that is really close. I am like dangerously high in Higby. I've got him at like tight end seven. Uh, so I, I think I actually do have a back to back with him and Hawkinson. I just have a bigger gap between like overall rankings between Hawkinson and Higby, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on Higby. Hopefully, hopefully Higby pans out for us this year, man. I love it. If we don't get Kelsey, let's get Higby in. Uh, and we'll, we'll hopefully count our money. I'm so with you. I'm, I, I, I think he will outperform Hawkinson for exactly that reason. I just think the lines stink. I've got him pretty close. And I sit there and think, when I have it really close, my tiebreaker is who's throwing the ball. Give me like Stafford that. over Goff all day long. Yeah. I just think the... I just think he's going to be dialed up. I love Higby this season. I think he's a steal. This has been an absolute joy, as always, Graham. Tell everyone where they can find you, where they can find fantasy points, where they can subscribe to your content and uh, help you pay for some nice things in your house now you've moved. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I need it. Um, yeah, appreciate appreciate you, man. This is always a, a fun talk, and I'm glad we got to got to do this like right here when you know training camp's getting rolling. So uh, it's good to catch up, man. Um, yeah, I'm at Graham Barfield. If you're on Twitter, uh, follow me there. You can follow uh, our site at F- uh, Fantasy PTS on Twitter. Um, and if you do want to subscribe, come check us out. Um, you can get 10% off any subscription with uh, a promo code of 21 Barfield 10. Uh, save you a little bit of cash and uh, and and hopefully uh, hopefully we'll help you out during draft season for sure because we we have plenty of content. We're here for you. Absolutely do it. Use that promo code. Definitely buy fantasypoints.com. It's a fantastic website. You know, loads of people ask me, where do I get information from? And I keep saying fantasypoints.com. I literally am on the site daily looking at projections. I'm looking at what they're writing. I'm looking at the content, the breakdowns of, of all the teams right now. You'll just be a smarter player. Definitely go and subscribe. 45 bucks. You're looking at maybe 30 pounds. It's a great investment, especially if you put any money in the fantasy football. This site is going to pay for it 10 times over. I guarantee it. So do subscribe. Graham, thanks so much as always for coming on. We'll have to get you back on before next summer, maybe when the season's over, because I know you're a busy man now. And uh, we'll see how we get on and we can celebrate our Tyler Tyler Higby victory together. (laughs) Yes, it's happening. It is definitely happening. Let's go. (laughs) Let's go. Rush Nation, hope you've enjoyed this one. We've got another special guest coming back at you Monday. uh, One of my favorite returning guests. Um, But until then, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy everything. And don't forget, keep rushing.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 